Welcome to Ease, the entertainment and showbiz experiences podcast. It's all things entertainment-based, how to get into it and how to develop it into something once you are ready to move on. All the information people didn't tell you, forgot to tell you, or were too busy to tell you, all told through personal experiences. On this week's episode, dancer-turned-yogi Karen Kim tells us what it takes to live in New York City, from bartending to knee injuries, aerial dancing to magic, and everything in between. You can now find her in Tokyo teaching yoga and traveling the world. She's a third-part yogi, a third-part world traveler, and a third-part bar hopper. Then, repeat, let's take a listen to this week's one-on-one. All right, Karen, welcome. How are you? Super. Great. Um, so tell me a little bit about your start in entertainment as a dancer performer. I got into my local uh, regional theater with my best friend in high school. And I started performing there and while I was doing competition dance at my studio. And then I decided to major in dance because everybody who was doing the shows with me were um, from summer stock. They were all from New York. So I decided I would do that too. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were growing up was dance was like, um, was what you focused on or did yeah. you sing as well? No, I should have sang, but I did not sing. And all styles of dance, ballet, modern, contemporary jazz tap I don't even know that the gamut goes on and on but did you do all of them I was yeah I dabbled in all of them and I I had an inclination towards ballet but I wasn't particularly great at it but I was that was my stronger suit you're stronger yeah same thing with me I loved ballet I mean you started it's such a when you're young, getting into dancing, I really think it's a solid base for it, uh, for all of the dancing. I mean, maybe that's just our generation or or what, but I definitely thought that was a really super strong base. Yeah. So I mean, where you did you do? Only don't say you can dance. The, the people who make it to the end are people who have ballet training, usually. Yeah. Well-rounded ballet, really strong technique people. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So where did you grow up? Where did you start this training uh, at a young age? Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Oh, how's the entertainment <laughs> in Pennsylvania where you grew up? Yeah, there's tons in Bucks County because you've got the Bucks County Playhouse. Did you do a lot of things there at the Playhouse? Yeah, yeah, in high school. Because so I was cheap. I was in high school, so they only paid me a fraction of what they paid you know, professionals coming down from New York and they needed a couple extra ensemble members and it's perfect mm-hmm. to use high school kids that don't cost a lot. <laughs> Absolutely, of course. I mean, yeah, but it's also really good experience too. Working in your community theaters, We, I had one too that I worked with down here and I actually, I actually got, it was a ballet, um, a ballet company for kids and I only got service hours from my high school for it. Ah, community service oh i didn't get any of that yeah no i mean i graduated with like thousands because i mean it was there every i was there like every single day or something weekends and shows and outreach programs and i mean i got thousands i graduated with like people were like okay enough with the ballet you know credits i was like excuse me i'm there all my every single day (laughs) 
That's awesome. I didn't get any credit. Just a couple extra dollars. So then you um, grew up in Bucks County, started dancing. So what made you, at what point did you think, I want to do this for a living? I want to get into entertainment. I want to try my hand at it. I, I think I just liked doing those shows and I liked making new friends. I don't think I really liked school that much. So mm-hmm. when I thought, oh, you can major in dance, I was like, well, why wouldn't I? But then right. I found Towson because it had dance education with performance degree comboed. And in mm-hmm. retrospect, there's a lot of dancers that are like, oh, you know, I might go the dance education route because I might not get a job. And I think that in retrospect, that's a terrible idea hmm. <laughs> because <laughs> if, I, if I had majored in something else that I was interested in, like journalism or something, and also majored in dance or minored in dance, I would have then had another specialty. As of now, I don't do anything outside of dance, dance education and all of this. So if you if I had actually majored in something completely different, it would have been a little more interesting, I think. And it probably would have led me to be a little more focused in school because mm-hmm. I had a lot of time to like party and play. And if I double majored in something else, I would have been way more focused. Now, you mentioned you went to Towson. So that's how I know you. We we met each other in the dance department at Towson. And you were um, you said that you uh, were focusing on the dance education portion because you wanted another fallback. Do you think... Do you ever think back in retrospect and think, hey, I should have just pushed myself just to be a dance major? Or were your parents pushing you to have that second sort of fallback thing? Or did was teaching something that you always wanted to do as well? No, my parents definitely encouraged the education part of the degree. But I was actually, I don't know if you remember this, I actually booked my job right out of the summer after senior year it was like july that i got the phone call to go on the cruise ships so (laughs) so focusing on dance performance as a major wouldn't have changed the outcome of my life sure (laughs) i got the job so i would have liked though having having a degree in something else i think yeah no i mean it makes sense and i i'm always i'm I people always say, so what's your view on school? And I'm a firm believer that it's for some people and it's not for some people. Some people don't thrive there. Some people thrive, you know, just taking class every single day outside. Where do you stand on school and education and college as a, like a, as a furthering your uh, training? Uh, it's not. Yeah, I agree. It's not for everyone. But I think in this day and age, more and more you you need it like when we were young and when our parents were young you can get by without having your master's we don't need that but I think more and more the amount of competition like just to get into high school like the competition to get into some middle schools is insane so I think you're going to need more and more degrees as time goes on because competition is just getting more fierce same with dancing the auditions are getting crazier and crazier yeah, no, I I totally agree. I mean, the the amount of talent that's coming out of the of the youth this these days is is astounding. I just I've been like you know I've been doing a lot of judging and adjudicating and looking at works and dancers and seeing some really young, really really strong dancers. That it's really positive to see all these 
great um, dancers coming up, knowing that that the next generation is going to be really, really good. Yeah. But so, so you went to Towson and then you said you booked your job. What job was this? Well, thank God for Jean Ann Ryan production because she had a thing for um, ballerinas. So yeah, she yeah. put me on my first cruise ship, which had no ballet on it, but it had aerial work and it had jazz. And she, her philosophy was like a classy, lean, very note, note the, the lean. She liked skinny. <laughs> <laughs> any ballet strong ballet technique dancer will will go farther than like someone who can come in and just like kill her audition so she like looked for technique and thank god i was there and thank god i got the job <laughs> yeah so you worked for gina ryan what um what cruise line was that for she put me on norwegian but she also Ooh. had two cruise lines back in the day i think now she only has regent perhaps, or something like this, or P&O, but she put me on uh, Norwegian America lines because we were the shorter, the shorter cast. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh, that makes sense. I mean, you're not saying that you're short or anything, but um, yeah, I know, I understand that cruise lines are, they like to keep everybody the same height, depending yeah. on stage height and the volume of people in the space. So either if it's if they're really tall people in a smaller space, it just looks a little bit awkward sometimes. So I yeah. I understand that fully. Yeah. So you mentioned aerial work. Now that's a newer it's a newer thought for a lot of people, especially in the in the cruise line industry. What about aerial did you like and want to get involved in? Oh, I didn't want to do any of it. <laughs> <laughs> My friend Valerie, she she was the adagio partner, and I wanted her job because her job was more acro and dance and ballet, and she actually made me do it, the aerial work, because she gave me her part in the show for a short time, so I did some of the partnering, and then she did the aerial work, because it was scary. It was like, I want to say it was like 20 feet off the ground. You would climb up the rope and then go upside down and put your ankle in the rope and spin and... I didn't want to do it, but actually, in actuality, it was like the best thing that ever happened to me because learning how to do another, um, like learning another trick like that just made you so much more marketable back in the States or back in New York. Of course. Yeah. And I really think that Ariel, um, since was in, since when you started on cruise ships, that was probably what, in 2004, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. 2005. Yeah, so it's 2005 until now. So like a transition of what, 15, 16 years of, of aerial is really making a big, strong push. Are you noticing now people are, are needing that to succeed as well? Um, I don't think anyone needs it because I think if you have the ballet technique, you can learn it really fast. But now you see aerial in like day to day, like there's a gym down the street that has Lyra, like that used to be something that was like accessible for dancers and gymnasts. And now it's like, you can do it on your day off from work. Like anybody can. It's at a gym somewhere. Yeah. It's like everywhere now, but I think any job that's requiring you to do it with the exception of like Cirque du Soleil is basically on job training. I don't think anyone Mm -hmm. expects you to know anything, but it's always helpful if you've done it before. Sure. Yeah. It, it gives you, I think my opinion, it gives you a different perspective because sometimes you're telling people, 
oh, straighten your right leg, but you're upside down, twirling, twirling your body around, and you forget which is right and left, you know? Yeah, exactly. When you stand you're standing on the ground and you're like, oh, yeah, I know my right foot. But when you're, you know, hanging by one arm, you know, off the off the Spanish rope, Spanish web and you're like, OK, I'll straighten your right. You're like, which one is my right? And your brain is like popping out of your ears. It's always yeah. a little bit. It's always a bit weird at first. True. So, Kara, so you went on Norwegian with uh, with Jean and how long did you stay with Jean and a year and a half, a year mm. and a half ship. I extended twice. And then, same ship. Same ship, yeah. Oh. And then they asked me to do another one, but I went with another company so I could do a different itinerary. And then I actually jumped ship. I was not into it. So I jumped ship and I left and I said, no more cruise ships. Yeah. As do a lot of people, I be, I feel like uh, working deeply in the cruise industry, a lot of people, again, it's like college. It's for some people and some people can stay for 10, 12, 20, 30 years on cruise ships. And some people, one is enough and then they're like, I'm done. Or something happens and you have to leave, you know. I had uh, a knee injury. Ooh. Yeah. So you had to leave because of your knee injury. Well, they weren't taking care of me and I knew that it was bad. And it wasn't going to get better if I stayed. And they weren't, like, giving me any kind of, oh, you can do PT or you can do this. It was all kind of like you're on your own. And I was like, well, screw this. I'm not going to go and ruin myself more than I already did for, like, $450 a week. Like, it's not worth it. Right. So you hurt yourself. What's what were you think? What went through your mind? Like, did you just needed to leave? You need to rehabilitate? Did you ever consider what you were gonna do with as a career from there? Uh, that wasn't when I reconsidered things, but that was the knee injury that ultimately ended me in 2011. <laughs> it was. Oh beginning. wow. Yeah, it was beginning in college actually, and then it was just progressively tearing worse and worse. And then I worked as magic assistant in Saipan and um, oh after Disney Disney I worked as an aerialist so I wasn't on my knee which was great and then when I went back to magic I was on my knee again because I was dancing on the stage and that's when my knee popped and the ACL tore and they actually said they would pay for the surgery so because it happened on the job so I went home and did the surgery and it was paid for under workman's comp. And that's when I decided to go get my yoga teacher training. Ah, so you said, so wait, let's backtrack just a little bit. So you, after you were done with ships and you said your knee was starting to become an issue, you said you came, you worked at Disney. How long did you work at Disney for? I just did the one year in Tokyo. So you did Tokyo for one year and then you said you went to Saipan and did magic after that. Yeah, the Tokyo job was, that was like, because I literally any job that I was doing dancing would have torn my ACL and because Tokyo Disney was entirely in a harness the for the whole show I like literally extended my career by like a full year <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and again Ariel is taking a, the big presence in your life which is really good and you're right the, there's something about your core takes over rather than your legs when you're when you're an aerialist yeah but I actually, it's misleading because I thought I was an aerialist, but then when I went back to New York and I actually tried like silks or in trapeze, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I wasn't strong enough in my upper body. 
So certain aerialists jobs are require more like ballet, like just pretty lines and other aerialists jobs require more actual strength. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that each apparatus carries its own skill level and skill ability. Yeah. I mean, somebody that that's going to climb a rope is going to be somebody that's different than that's going to be able to, you know, handstand a hand balancer. Yeah. That's going to be different than somebody that's going to be a harness person, you know, and it all yeah. takes, all takes a special skill. So that's why I feel like when aerialists or specialty acts are, good at one thing they develop that and they really harness each skill for that and then they have like one or two backup skills that they can do i like doing other than that because it really demands a certain muscle group or it demands like a certain focus that you just want to make sure that you are keen on yeah so you got the surgery and were you back home did you come back to the states for this yeah that's when i met that's when i met tom and because I got the surgery back home in Bucks County. And when did you get your knee surgery? 2011. Wow. So it's almost been eight years. Mm-hmm. So in your mind, what were you thinking? You've got this ACL torn. You're getting this surgery. And what do you tell yourself in your head? Do you panic? Are you panicking? Or are you like, this is going to be fine. I'll figure something out. What's going through your head? I'm always kind of fine. I always bobble up. I I was bartending the whole time. So I, I couldn't bartend, obviously, for those six weeks, eight weeks of recovery. So my friend had a company and I worked for him in Doylestown. I, I always find something to do. I've never had a problem there, touch wood. So I wasn't worried. But I, I mean, I think I was depressed, probably still am a little bit because it's like upsetting when that happens. But something has always popped up. Mm-hmm. So then after, yeah, go ahead. If you don't shut your doors, like if you keep all doors open, like I wasn't saying, oh, I only want to work in dance. Like I was like working at a record store and working at a bar. I kept my options open. Do you think part of what you were doing as a performer when you were when you were in it, did any of that play into your factor of like survival after? really I think I kind of compartmentalized mm. that that was like separate and then I would mm-hmm. go home and do my thing I mean I guess t- probably I would say dancers generally make better employees because they work fast and they work smart and and uh they're like just kind of trained to follow rules mm-hmm. no I, I agree yeah, I don't think anything in, in specific played into, like, my job life later. So then you said you got your yoga teaching certification. <clears throat> when did when did this come up? What did you, what were you thinking when you were going into this venture? Um, I was thinking I would just do it. Oh, I had broken up with my ex-boyfriend. So I did it as, like, therapy. And then I oh. thought, it's good therapy. And then it only takes a month if you do it in the month long 200 hour thing and I thought oh then I can teach yoga and make some cash and where were you doing this yoga per se which which were you in in New York so you were you were just coming off your ACL surgery and you spent two months getting your certification I actually was certified right before the 
it's confusing. I got certified after Disney. Okay. Feel knee pain, but then I went and I did the magic show. So I, I was certified before I did the magic show. Oh, uh, okay. So you were had already had this sort of like yoga backup already. Yeah, I knew. I knew I was. I knew I was going. I knew that it was not going to last my leg. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, sometimes you know, and I mean, pain is a perfect indication of it. You know, sometimes people's backs or they're in the, my knees as well. Like you just can't. You can't always bank on those things being there all the time. So you were, how long did you work in New York as a yoga instructor? Mm, maybe four years. Wow. A, a long time. And that, so full transparency, that's when I moved to New York as well. When you, so I remember you yeah. in school and then I moved to New York when you started or just starting out in yoga, yeah. or actually you had been evolved a little bit by the time I got there. Yes. I think I had got SLT at that point. Yeah. 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 So you were doing other cool. I remember I, me and Karen went to this like class and we, uh, fitness things were all the rage and we were trying every single one. And I mean, there was like dance and there was dance, hip hop, cardio and dance, you know, Cadillac reformer hip hop, you know, so there's all these like combos out there in New York. Tell me about your experiences with fitness in New York City. Um, I found early on the best way to get in is to get with a brand. So I auditioned for uh, Body by Simone. She's like an offshoot of Tracy, and I didn't get it, but I got pretty far and I got good re responses. So then I went to a bigger studio. I went to SLT because um, they were hiring way more instructors rather than just Simone was hiring one person and SLT was hiring like 15. So I got into that training because if you get into one of the bigger gyms with a, with a good name or with like a, you know, a fancy following, it just looks way better on your resume and it makes it so much easier to break into the industry. Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's not as easy as you would, would you say it's a little bit more to traverse in New York city as say, I don't know, somewhere like Louisville, Kentucky, for instance. I don't know. Cause in New York you have so many gyms. I mean, I feel like you're bound to find a job at one of them versus in Kentucky. I bet you there's only three or four that you would want to mm. work at. I mean, in New York, there were just so many. My list went on and on, but I settled with SLT because I got it so quick. Yeah, I, I remember you you loved SLT and you spent a lot of time there. What is some of the challenges you were facing with this yoga schedule, trying to do other things? How did you incorporate it into your life? Mm, I had to stop bartending eventually because it didn't jive the timing because fitness you're typically early morning as mm -hmm. a beginning so you can't really work late because you're tired you go to bed by like 10 um and you can't be hung over uh but <laughs> yeah what was i gonna say slt uh oh it always comes back to like you have to have a lot of self-confidence and your self-esteem has to be high because it's the same as dance like the audience can tell if you are not confident and the same with SLT at first I wasn't confident. And I remember the teacher trainer 
saying like, are you, well, are you boring? And I was like, well, no, I don't, I don't think so. She's like, well, then you can do this job. Like, don't, don't worry. So I was all kind of nervous going into it. And um, you have to be like super confident because you have to be on the microphone and you have to like command 12 people to do something. So you can't have any kind of doubt or timid. You can't be timid. It's just not, not cute. Yeah. And this is your, I mean, it's like a performance for 12 people. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. A one woman solo act for 12 people. Basically. Yeah. So that is where the dance comes in handy. Yeah. And I really felt like when I was in New York with you, you really, and I think this is ingrained in dancers. There's a dedication and there is a a sense of urgency and there is a lot of things that you train yourself and you regiment yourself while you're a dancer doing and that you really can take through. And I really saw that in you. Like when you were, when sometimes I remember you getting up at like 4 a.m. in the morning to be at class by five o'clock. I mean, 4 a.m. sleeping eight hours. I mean, so you go to bed eight. So that really kind of shifts your dynamic on what you're able to do, what, what, nightlife you're able to partake in who and I remember you were you were seeing Tom and that was really hard because he was working late and you were having to work really early in the morning so a lot of crossover happens there but I really feel like the dedication and the drive and that determination and not to let people down as well at any point you could say oh I just don't want to go in today but I feel like dancers have that drive like they had to be in class every single day eight hours or like six hours here two hours there you know it was always a mixed up schedule but you had the dedication you had that determination you wanted it so it really kind of feeds sure. into your life yeah true okay so you are in new york and you are making this transition to yoga what happens to your life now um well nothing right away but ultimately, I guess it makes you mature a little bit because, like, you know, you have to be a little more responsible. And But it's like any job. Once you've done it for five years, you can kind of do it with your eyes closed. You don't have to think about it as much. But with yoga, you, t- you tend to have to keep getting new certifications, more studies, more, you know, there's always something happening, new, new discoveries. And you kind of have to stay up to date with things. So... I guess the same as any job. You have to go to certain trainings kind of frequently yeah. throughout the year. Yeah, of course. So you're. So tell me what you're doing now. What are you doing, Karen? Where are you in the world? Well, I'm in Japan. And because I did so much work, like on SLT, actually, on the machines in New York, I was able to come here and kind of craft my own class, which is currently trending, everyone is doing it in New York, like a sculpt class. So you've got your abs, your arms, like bar class, and then you've got your legs, like SLT, kind of mega former lunging stuff. And then you've got your, you know, 25 minutes of yoga, all in the same hour long class. So I just started teaching a sculpt class here for mostly expats um, from Australia, Europe, and the US. And it kind of took off. Wow. So what brought you to Japan? Tom, because my husband's an accountant. Tom is an accountant. Yes, I remember that was a sad day when we had to say goodbye to you. But you, how long have you been there? Three years? It'll be three years at the end next year. Next year? It's only been two? 
It's only been two because I started teaching this class pretty much right away. Like two months after we landed, I started teaching. Right. Which is, which is pretty awesome. And how do you think fitness over there compared to over here is? It's not there yet. It's They're ahead here with everything else, electronics and things, but fitness is behind like 10 years. Wow. So you think this is something they can benefit from, this sculpting, this new kind of new way of thinking? Um, yeah. And you're starting to see it. Like I see Zola, who we went to college with. I see her picture all the time because we have cardio bar here. Oh, oh yeah. And But the cardio bar is only in Japanese. There's nothing in English. So mm. my class is actually like one of the only classes that's in English that does like a fusion. Oh, I'm sure that's pretty popular then. Yeah. You've been in Japan for a couple of years. You've got a good little um, sculpt business going on. What do you think's next for you when you come back in a year? Mm, I don't know. I assume I'll stay with teaching yoga because it's the it's the least exhausting. Um, I was told don't start teaching yoga until you're like ready to live it. And I think that's not true. Because especially as a dancer, if you can count on the music and you have good musicality and you have good taste in music <clears throat> and you're going to have a good class and you're going to have a class that people want to go to. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I come home and I meditate or I don't meditate. Like I can teach a good class because I was a dancer and I, I know what a good class is. But people like sometimes I think they take yoga too seriously and then people are afraid to start teaching because they're like, oh, I won't be good enough. And it's, it's more about the connection you make with the class. So if people like you and feel comfortable with you and feel safe with you, you're going to teach a, set, a solid class. So you only get better over the years. So when I go back to New York, I'll probably just teach yoga, but I'm not going to go with one of the, um, probably I won't be at a serious studio. Probably do it on my own or go back to like pure yoga or something like that. Sure. Yeah. No, you, what, I really believe what you said is like, Something about passing on information to people. I, mm -hmm. You're right. As a teacher, that's your main goal is to pass on what you know to other people. So if you're living the life, if you're not, if, as long as the information that you're giving to these people is valuable and they see the value in it, then just keep expressing it. And you said, you said, sometimes you meditate, sometimes you don't. I fall, we all fall into the same habits. You know, I, you and I were meditating at, at some point for a really long time. And then a big life event happens and you're like, wow, I haven't meditated in a year and a half and start doing it again. And that whole cycle starts all over again. So I think you're right. Like you don't necessarily have to always live it. It's great if you do and you're, you know, you practice all those things. Um, but as long as you're passing on information to people that find that find it valuable, then I mean, better off. Now, Karen, so you've got this Instagram that is very, how do I say? I love looking at it because there's always there's always places around Japan. Of course, I've never been to any of them. I've been to Asia a, a little bit here and there, but tell me top five places you have to go in Japan. Top five in Japan, Tokyo Disney Sea. Okay, why? Um, it's just the best Disney park, I think. It's, it's Ooh. amazing. 
And it's, yeah, it's the best Disney park. And my show is gone. They replaced it with a, a show with projection mapping. Like, it's computerized, but it's really awesome. So, wait, wait. What, I don't think we, we discussed. What show were you in in Japan? Oh, I was in uh, Tokyo Disney Sea, Mystic Rhythms. Mystic Rhythms. Yes. Yeah. Yep, that's the name of it. I always forget the name of it. That's the one when I auditioned. That's the one I was going to do oh, too, but I had absolutely. too many tattoos. Yep. yep. Too many tattoos. All the, all the tan skin, all the tan skin girls and boys get into Mystic. <laughs> yeah. oh. So, so Tokyo Disney, I, I have fighting words because you know how strongly I feel about uh, Disney World in Orlando. Yes, I love it. I love it too. But Tokyo Disney is special because it's all Japanese. You get a feel for the culture here, not just Disney culture, but like Japanese culture because it's like all over the park. <laughs> Side tangent note on that. So Tokyo Disney hires a lot of dancers, performers, uh, actors, singers. What's life like there in Tokyo um, as a performer? Oh, that's like cakewalk. They give you your own studio apartment. They give you a free pass to get to and from work on the subway. Uh, you get a per diem. You get your weekly pay. And you're basically just stocking the money away because they pay for your per diem. They pay for your food. And it's kind of expensive here in terms of like transportation. But you're never going to spend. I mean, you'd have to really work to spend all of the money that you make. Yeah. No, I mean, expatting is, is, a, is, a, is a big thing. And because you're a foreigner, they really have to take care of you. You know, health insurance, the whole nine yards, because if something does go wrong, then it becomes an, an issue for sure. And that's something that they do at Disney, Tokyo Disney. is not Tokyo Disney is not actually Disney like at home. It's not the Walt Disney Company. So my contract at Tokyo Disney is through someone else. But they provide amazing uh, health care. So while you're here, like I, I had a neck issue and they paid every time for me to go to therapy, to get it fixed, to get me back on stage. They never once were like, oh, you're on your own, fend for yourself or go home. Like they really make sure that you get back in order. That's good. That's really yeah. good to know, especially because they uh, Tokyo Disney and that corporation really do hire a lot of performers from the States. A lot, a lot. Less and less, though, because they're so expensive here. They're cutting back. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot less than there used to be. Okay. So Tokyo Disney is one of the top five. Where mm -hmm. else? Tokyo Disney, uh, probably the Mount Fuji area, Hakone, just because it's so pretty. And you can do the Japanese onsen there, which is the baths, which are really relaxing and nice. Um, top five. Okinawa. Ooh, okay. Japan's Hawaii. Oh. Yeah. Uh, four, the best, I think that Japan, Tokyo has like the best sky bars. Because the sky bars are, sometimes they have happy hour. And so they're like reasonably priced for these amazing cocktails, amazing views. And I don't think you can get that in many cities. Usually you're going to pay. Yeah, and of course. Unless. Let's be honest. So you're part of your this Instagram that you have is is part of it is happy hours and you're oh, even yeah. when we lived in, even when we lived in New York we were always trying to find the best happy hour like where's the best DJI deal Fridays. on DJI Fridays. Fridays I know can you believe it like at, at every place in New York it, it was TGI Fridays wasn't it They've got one here too It's a great happy hour. Um, 
on the Instagram, I did my Instagram handle yoga travel happy hour repeat on purpose because you need followers in New York. It helps to have followers in New York if you're a fitness instructor and it helps to have followers in Japan if you're a travel blogger. So I combined those two things in my other hobby, which is drinking and I made it my Instagram. <laughs> That's amazing. And you know what? You're so true because you're doing all those things. You are teaching yoga abroad you are traveling a lot, like a lot of these places, like these top fives. I mean, you still got to, we still have to talk about a few more, but I mean, you see all these places on your Instagram, like you're going every week. I know you and Tom are like, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm flying here. We're flying there. We've had this best, the best flight here. We've had the worst trip there, you know? So it, it is definitely, you can definitely see it all over your Instagram with all of that. And then of course the happy hours and then they're amazing. And then hopefully when I get back to New York, I can just turn it more into yoga so that I'll, I'll be okay there too. <laughs> uh, of course. Okay. So number four is sky bars, happy hours, someplace in Tokyo that you, you have follow you and you'll get them all. Yeah. Now it's in the last one. Five is something I don't really do anymore. Cause I did so many hour first year here. I don't really need to, but Japan has like the best flower fields. Ooh. <laughs> they're underrated because I don't remember hearing about them when I was here at Disney but there's like every month of <laughs> every month of the year there's like something blooming somewhere so you just have to google where it is that is blooming and you just go there somehow and I guarantee you it's like spectacular that happened like here somewhere in California maybe like in the Bay Area there was like no it was right in LA I think off of like one of the highways like there was this bloom of flowers and people were stopping and like yeah. traffic days yeah and like people were just of course it was very it was a very instagram moment but like everybody was just going out to see these flowers on the side of the road that had just bloomed so i can I only imagine they had, the, they had closed down the one they said it was over over trafficked oh yeah i mean there was people all over the place yeah um, so flower fields in Tokyo, those are a great top five to see. Now, what about if you were traveling top five other places outside of Tokyo to see that you've been to? Cambodia one. Whoa. When were you in Cambodia? Um, we're going back to a private island in November, but we went to Angkor Wat and Phnom Penh last year. Cool. Yeah, that's our top. Uh, Cambodia one, Thailand. We didn't have, we didn't have like the best experience in Thailand, but I would say it's definitely awesome and worth a trip. And it's it would be worth going back, which we're not doing doing, but it would definitely be worth it. So Cambodia, Thailand. I always love Hawaii. Mhm. Mm Duh. Yeah, Hawaii is up there. Um, two more. Japan. <laughs> yeah. Air. Where's somewhere else? Bali, I find to be overrated. Sure, yeah. No, I agree. Uh, Singapore is cool, but not necessarily a destination that, like, you've got to hit. Mm -hmm. Korea is cool, but if you're going to do Japan, I wouldn't say you needed to do both. Vietnam is, like, pretty spectacular, but... You really need to plan really well your trip. And we did not plan ours 
so well. So it had a little bumps in the road, but Vietnam is very beautiful. Nice. So do you, it sounds like from school, you just set off on this path to travel, perform, kind of make it your living. Do you regret any moment of that decision making? No, that's like why I worked on cruise ships, just to travel. So I, yeah. I've always kind of, I've always, I think maybe that's why I'm kind of, I'm kind of jaded now. Because <laughs> hmm. I've done why would you so say that? much. Oh, traveling. Yeah. Sometimes I go places and I'm like, oh, this is cool. And my friends will be like jaw dropped and I'll just be like, okay. <laughs> you know what? I know this. I know that sounds really, 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 um, what do you call that? Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's spoiled, but you're right. There is something to be said about people on cruise ships. I being one of them, they've traveled a lot of great places. You see a lot of great things. So to be asked for me to do it to you is funny because people do it to me all the time. Like, what's your what's your favorite place to go? And you're like, you don't just have one. You have experiences that happened in these places or you had really good meals here or you know this city like the back of your hand because you've, you've you've had to spend time there because it was your home port, you know? So there's always different things, but it sounds like you really have set off in your career, almost like dancing second and traveling first. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I was never interested in like companies or staying stationary. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm sure you've seen a lot of great movement, a lot of great dancing and artists all over the world, which is pretty cool last question what is your dream job in five years from now what if you could see yourself doing anything anything in the world what would it be well that's the problem i already did my dream job of dancing at disney i don't have a dream job anymore (laughs) you did it you did it you succeeded so where do you see yourself where do you see yourself five years five ten years from now i i think tom and i'll probably adopt a baby somewhere, I guess. I feel like that's what married people do. You either have one or you adopt. And if we have a cat, I feel like we should adopt a baby. Yeah. No, that's a that's a great goal. You and Tom are going to be great parents. Once you guys settle down. Once you guys settle back in New York. Are you yeah, me. Plans fully settle there, or are you guys going to go back to Pennsylvania? Mm, who knows? His job. We just follow it wherever it sends us. Yeah. That's great. All right, Karen, thank you so much for all of this. It was good talking to you. Thanks. Super fun. Thanks for joining in on the conversation. To view additional content, follow E's podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe and leave comments on the episode wherever this podcast can be found. See you next week.